Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Bierman, and I am joined by my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, and our pop culture aficionado, Shane Christian Cunningham. Fellas, today on the show, we have Mike Shinoda, co-founder of Linkin Park, uh, now a solo artist. Uh, he has an album out right now everywhere called Post Traumatic. Get it? Listen to it. We're going to be talking with him in a bit. It's a lot to talk about, obviously, as we set him up, because Linkin Park obviously has had a, a very tragic recent past. So we will get into that stuff in a bit. But before we get to that, guys, what has been going on? Okay, well, I first of all, I'm really, I'm really, really, really fucking sorry. I really fucked up this episode. And what? what? Well, because it would have been awesome if I didn't fucking call you this morning. Mate. Oh, yes. Oh, true, yeah. true, uh, true. I'm such a fucking Why'd you fool. do that? Because I was so excited. Okay, well, our listeners still don't okay, know. Okay, so this is what happened. So... <laughs> we went out to see Chromio last night. We did. Um, with our friend Dan with Hamilton. With our friend Dan Hamilton. Oh, first off the top, I have to say, we were with Dan Hamilton last night, yeah. and last week's episode of the pod came up, mm -hmm. and specifically the joke about uh, yes. Scarlett, uh, who just had Tony's baby. Going, Tony in our band, yeah. Going for the EGOT, the Tony, mm -hmm. and the Oscar, and Dan Hamilton, it was his joke. We, oh. we gave credit to somebody else for the joke. We, I said I couldn't remember who said it. Yeah. I didn't know who it was, Dan so Hamilton Dan was like, that was me, and he made a mention of it in the Uber. I was like, do you want me to bring that up on on the pod we're recording tomorrow he's like no 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 and yeah, i'm like i'll but, do it he's but, like, but he did it um so we went out to chromia last night it was a great night we went out afterward nothing particularly eventful happened but i crashed at dan hamilton's place because i've subletted my toronto apartment <laughs> not because you and lauren have broken up no no yeah we're right. still good um i woke up in the morning i get in the elevator to go down to starbucks and it's your building too you guys live in the same apartment that's building. correct and for reasons uh that you'll understand in about i don't know a minute I'm not going to tell you the address of that apartment building. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Yeah. So I get into the elevator and there's just one guy standing there. And I'm like, holy fuck, is that who I think it is? And he's wearing sunglasses. So I just look over and he's like clearly not looking at me. He has sunglasses on in an elevator. And I just go, Bill? <laughs> and he's like, uh, hey. Hello, <laughs> Maxi. <laughs> no, ladies and gentlemen, it's not Bill Cosby. <laughs> I get why he's wearing sunglasses. Uh, no. out in Canada. <laughs> what you want? A cookie? <laughs> I love how anyone can do a Bill Cosby. Everybody's him, got a way. bad Bill Cosby. Yeah. It's actually really fun to do. It's fun. It was Bill Hader. Whoa. Of SNL. <laughs> <laughs> and it was shocking because Bill Hader is obviously a famous American actor. And what the yeah. fuck is he doing at, you know, 10 a.m. in Toronto in some random condo building? Yeah. So I go, Bill? And he's like, oh, hey. I, I, I was so nervous. My heart started to pound. I don't, you don't usually get that nervous around celebrities, but I'm a big Bill Hader fan. Like, I like obviously love him on SNL, but Documentary Now series is great. All his bit parts and like all the comedies he's been in like, yeah he's got that new show out on hbo well this is it so i so i try to think i'm like okay what's the coolest fucking thing i can say to this guy right now i have you know 30 seconds in an elevator with him so i just go like uh, i love barry <laughs> which is his new show oh, okay yeah and he's like oh you've seen that i was like yeah oh, yeah oh yeah have you yeah i saw two episodes good and it's really good i highly recommend it i just haven't gotten around to seeing the rest of it but it's a really good show it's on hbo he plays a hitman really that's good. right he's like oh do you live here and then I'm like, uh, no, but I do a podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good segue. That's decent. He's like, and I'm preparing for a podcast right now. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, uh, we're filming uh, the sequel to It. Oh, yeah, that was Mike's prediction. That was my guess. Yeah. 
And uh, and I was like, how long are you going to be here for? <laughs> and he's like, oh, like till September or something. So he's going to be around for a while. All summer. And then I'm thinking, so we're, we're kind of getting all over. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, what's your name? I'm like, Max. <laughs> Just like no context or anything. I'm like, um, we have a mutual friend. <laughs> I'm like, do you know Tim McAuliffe? He's a comedy writer in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Max thinking on his feet. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, last man on earth? He's like, oh, yeah, I think he knows my ex-wife, I think. Bill Hader got divorced? What? Yeah. Wow. Actually, I looked it up. Oh, 2018, I guess it just happened. So yeah. then I was like, I loved your podcast with Simmons. I just like blurted that at him because he was on Bill Simmons' podcast. And he was like, <laughs> How long was his elevator gets off at the 10th floor? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I squeeze a lot of stuff into our like minute. In, and so I'm impressed with we, the speed you, at which you're You're brain going works. down, though. We're right? going down. He was in the elevator. So he's above floor nine. Yeah. Okay. And then we leave. Shit. And he, he might be on my floor. He might be on your floor. And then he, there's a black town, a black SUV waiting for him, and he just gets right into it. He didn't offer you a ride? Um, no, he did not. But then I just turned left for some reason because I was so excited. And I just the first thing I did was just call you. Yeah. I was like, guess who I met? And then and then after as soon as we had the conversation, I was like, fuck, why didn't I wait to tell you live on the podcast? Well, I got here early this morning because Shane was uh, shooting a pickup for a thing that you will be seeing eventually. That's the tease for you. So I came in and, and uh, it, your baby and your wife were here. We were. It was studio. 10 a.m., Mike, so not that early. early well, again, I was at Chromeo last night, bro. Yeah. So that was pretty fucking early for me. Uh, and Max calls and he's like, Guess who I just saw in your elevator? Yeah, and so like I, I was like OG Ananobi. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's different world. Yeah, he's like different world because he. Uh, for those of you that don't, he's a Toronto Raptor, and uh, and then I kept going through. I was like music, blah blah blah, and then he just told me, and I was like, whoa! And then I he didn't know I was standing with you, Shane, in a studio. So then I told Shane, yeah, and Shane goes, whoa! And then Max goes, oh shit! And I went, what? He goes, I should have saved it for the pod. <laughs> yeah. And then I got mad. I was like, yeah, you could have had you a genuine moment. We're talking in two hours. You could have been. Yeah, that is a crazy move. Yeah. And also, were you tempted to mention Arkells? Like, hey, I'm a huge no. celebrity. Great question. No, no. He wouldn't know. Who what do you mean? You went right to the podcast, though. But I, I figured that might be more interesting to him. See, I don't think so. Because I think then he would think, fuck, this guy's going to ask me to be in the pod. If uh, you said, yeah, I live in this building and I'm a musician, he's going to immediately think, oh. oh. Maybe he's cool. And then he would maybe. look up your, you know what you do? You fucking tweet at him from Arkells and go. I don't think he has Twitter. I already looked it up. <laughs> All right. And I was about <laughs> to have Instagram? believe me. <laughs> I don't think he has Instagram. Wouldn't you love if the elevator opened up and a bunch of university students came in? (laughs) And we're like, Max, oh my God. And they were going nuts over you. And Bill was like, what the hell? That would have been the best. Perfect timing. Uh, That would have been, maybe I should have mentioned, but what do you say? I'm in a relatively famous Canadian band. What am I going to say? But I guess if I said I'm a musician, that might be cool. Listen, you. I was. I'm impressed with how many polls you managed to get on that elevator of references to his work. Oh and- man! You, but now, then I left. I was like, man, I should have mentioned documentary now because I love documentary. Now. Have you guys watched that? No. Oh, it's the best. What Fred Armisen and. Bill Hader had this fake documentary series. It's like, it's like if you saw a documentary on Fleetwood Mac, like a music doc, the way it would yeah. be done, they will do that. Like on, it's how Andy Samberg did it for the 30 for 30s. For the sports docs. Yeah, right. so this okay. is like the top 50 documentaries of all time. And they're ripping off other famous documentaries. So there's one that's sort of like loosely based on talking heads, like being like an art rock band from New York City in the 80s. And, and like Bill Hader's like the bassist. It's like, but they do, and they have one that's based on the Eagles as well. And it's fucking hilarious. Anyway. That's another sort of deep cut. Because everyone's like, I saw you in, uh, what's the Amy Schumer movie? Like, whatever. Yeah, like, Trainwreck. Trainwreck. 
that's what most people would recognize him for. But if you go for like the cooler ones, you probably have mm-hmm. more respect. So anyway, this all leads me to ask you guys, how much do we stock Bill Hader and try to get him onto the podcast? Fuck. I mean, he's going to be here for the summer. <sighs> I might see him on the roof eating a steak or something. Yeah. You could put a sign in the elevator. <laughs> could you imagine? No, just Mike on much uh, flyers. <laughs> so he gets in his head like, oh, this thing's fucking big, <laughs> just right? Subconsciously in his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I was so nervous. We have to be able to get him, though. He's around. Shit. He's here till September. There's got to be somebody we can reach out to. You know what? I'll talk to our girl, Sarah McLaren, because uh-huh. obviously HBO Canada carries Barry. Uh, there could be boom. a connection there. Boom, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen, man. I'm hungover and excited right now. Is that Jamaican? Yeah. <laughs> Lethal combination, yeah, man. Hungover and excited. Yeah. You know what, though? Also from my notes last night before we drank all the vodka in Toronto at Chromio, Shane told me to bring up Scotiabank. Okay. <laughs> he texted me that last night. Well, I just wanted to know why. I understand why people have a, uh, an attachment to the Skydome. Yeah. Because Skydome, everyone grew up with the Skydome, and it's not affiliated with any corporation. I hear you. So it's like, oh, like that's that's just a name. I know where you're going with but this. But a lot of people seem to care about the ACC now being called the Scotiabank Theater. I have some thoughts on this. So for our listeners, maybe your American listeners here in Canada and Toronto specifically, the Blue Jays used to play anything called the Skydome and then Rogers bought it, a big corporation. They call it the Rogers Center. A lot of Torontonians are like, fuck it. I'm still calling it the Skydome for life. I, I, we still do it. All yeah. of us. Recently, Scotiabank uh, bought the naming rights to the Air Canada Center, uh, which was built, I believe, in 1999. So again, like you said, it started out as a corporate namesake. Air Canada, obviously, is is our airline or one of the airlines here in Canada. It is now the Scotiabank Arena. And people, there has been a backlash. People are like, ACC for life. The only thing I can think of, to your point, is one, well, two things. One, people are nostalgic. It's whatever it was called first, they're going to want to call it that for the rest of their life. They don't like change. People don't like change. Two... Scotiabank doesn't really mean any, like, so for instance, when the Raptors are playing on ESPN in the States and they play at the Air Canada Center, the name Canada is at least in the name, even though it's like a corporation, like, you know, like Vince Carter being called Air Canada, he played at the Air Canada Center, like his nickname, it all worked mainly because we had the name of our country within the name. So when international teams would play in the NHL or in the NBA, you knew that, oh, that arena is in Canada. Now it's very generic, just like any of the other 29 arenas in the NBA. Do you think nostalgia is so strong, though, that if it went from the Scotiabank, what's it called, Scotiabank? Arena. Scotiabank Arena to Air Canada Center, people would still be up in arms? I think that, yeah, there would be some people that just yeah. don't like change. But, but I think yeah, other people would just I like the Air Canada theory, though, and I think that is right because it, people love hearing where they're from. Like, if you hear Toronto in a movie or something, exactly. it's all exciting. So I think that's a good theory. What about you, Max? Yeah, I agree with all that with the nostalgia factor. I wonder though, if it was the opposite, if it was Scotia Air Canada, the backlash would be slightly less because the name mm-hmm. Canada is. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I'm. Do you guys are you comfortable when things change like that? No, I hate change. Right. So it's like if they if they renamed Queen Street, for instance, to. King Street. Uh, I'm very bad with street names as it is, so (laughs) don't change any names. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I'd really, I don't think I'd care that much about it. I think that within a year, we'll just, it'll be the Scotiabank Arena. Like, I don't think people will stick to ACC the way that they stuck to Skydome, but I could be wrong. Well, we get a little insight from the nut because the nut is in charge of these brand partnerships. And so he's always telling us, like, what's going on in the deals and what things are worth. And this public information, so I don't think we're... Uh, no, the you could look it up. You could look under the nut. Look under the nut. Uh, you could... <laughs> I just don't know what you'll find. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could... Uh, 
yeah, look it up to see what Scotia paid to have the naming rights. But uh, I find that to be like fascinating. Just like that, some companies will pay like millions upon millions of dollars to have their name on something. Here's a question: Do you think that we as a society are have become far more comfortable, even in the last five years, maybe, of the idea that everything's for sale? Can anyone be a sellout anymore? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think anybody can be a sellout. And I think people just like recognize, like, you know, we're living in capitalism and this is the way people market their business and they acquire the naming rights and that's that. Because every person has become a product or a brand through their own Instagram account. So now everyone knows what it's like. And anyone, even if they have high moral standards, everyone steals their music. So everyone's like, fuck, I'm stealing music and I'm not willing to pay. So good on you for getting money any way you can yeah so everyone's become a brand and everyone's become a thief what <laughs> like with illegal downloads like with tvs and movies. yeah so yeah, so whereas before shows. it's like i'm buying your album i'm going to your shows now it's like i'm stealing your album so fucking get that apple uh sponsorship one thought though i had um when it comes to the subject is i really love old school stadiums that don't have corporate names i was gonna say wrigley field but wrigley field is actually a corporate <laughs> name because it's wrigley it's gum. gum yeah which but, is like one of the oldest enough, brands in america yeah but it's old enough to make me think that it's not like a bank it's basically not a bank name like every stadium is named after a fucking bank it feels like yeah. and that to me is kind of lame or like tropicana field or whatever but like fenway park that's just a dude's name okay right? comiskey uh, uh comiskey that's not around that's u.s cellular cellular field now oh shit if someone's willing to pay you x amount of dollars to have the naming rights it's going to turn over every of five course. years. Dodger Stadium, though, is still just Dodger Stadium. Yeah, but that Dodge Cars. No. Yeah. Really? No, I'm making it up. Oh, okay. That'd be crazy. <laughs> but they just add an R. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to pay as much. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought it would be interesting if a corporation was like, you know what? We're going to pay for the naming rights, but we're going to call it something that's meaningful to the neighborhood. So, that would be fucking smart. And, and, and it's like presented. And you could do like a little presented by Rogers or something or presented by Scotiabank. But it's like, we're going to name it after a community activist or we're going to name it after some family that was present in the neighborhood. It's like, so it's going to be called like Johnson Field. Now, okay, here's the issue with that. So I think in the moment when the press release comes out and all that stuff, I think the community feels good. People will feel good. But eventually the presented by or the byline, let's say Scotiabank, yeah. like let's say we called it... Uh, Who's a famous? Who's a prominent Canadian? Let's say we called it Terry Fox Arena, yeah. presented by Scotiabank. Eventually, people would just call it the Fox or Terry Fox. Yeah. And if you're the person that paid a hundred million dollars, uh -huh. you want that to be seared into their yeah. brain. So when That's these kids that works. grow up, because these kids are going to grow up loving the Leafs, and praise to all my Leaf fan friends. I guess they just got a big fish in uh, yeah. John Tavares. Yeah. There's kids that are like eight now, and they're going to grow up loving the Leafs. And they're going to open a bank account in five years, and where are they going to want to open it? Probably the place where their hero plays. Yeah. Scotiabank's going to be burned into their brain. Yeah. That's what you buy. That's how marketing works, With your $100 million. Yeah. But Johnson Field, brought to you by Jurex Condoms, <laughs> wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be Jurex cool. Con yeah. Johnson, like a dick. Because it's a dick. Yeah. Oh. You didn't get oh, it, Maxie. Oh, I'm an so idiot. sorry. <laughs> that was like a Bill Hader First character. Hader, now this. Condoms <laughs> <laughs> like, was lackey. He's hungover yeah. and excited. Could I ask you uh, a question? And again, feel free to cut this out. <laughs> People who wear those shoes... I always wondered why they're so popular. Uh huh. And you see everyone wearing them. Max, tell people what you're wearing. I'm wearing these Vans shoes. Uh, the black kind of suede with like a white line down either side, uh, like a. Do you a notice these line? shoes everywhere? Yeah. Why are they so popular? Like, is, is I don't there know. a reason? Do I have you, no idea. Do you love them, or do you feel like you've been influenced by the, your peer pressure? Lauren just tells me what shoes are in because oh. she has a hipster sister who isn't so she's like oh you got to get the adidas gazelles because that's what's in right now or the like the nike air force ones or so these ones i think are kind of on the outs to be honest 
because they got too popular. Too popular. But I think, but when I got them like nine months ago, I thought they were in. So Lauren just tells me. So you don't care if you are actually wearing something that you like. No, I don't really care. Wow, <laughs> interesting. Okay, I always wanted to ask someone about that. It's That's like fascinating. A, Instagram. Yeah. One of the things actually last night when we were out that came up, uh, we were drinking at Dan Hamilton's and listening to Chromio before the big Showmio. Uh, and, and we'll, thank you, Max. <laughs> See, that's the kind of thing that Johnson Field you didn't like? Yeah, I did, I, well, I didn't get it. But if, if you do a stupid rhyme, I'm like, that's comedy. <laughs> um, and by, and, we'll, and uh, we actually just talked to them. So they're going to be on the pod as well. Uh, we'll talk more about them on their episode. But uh, while we were hanging out, we started talking about the new Paul McCartney song. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's called I believe, Come On To You. Yeah. yeah. Come on to you. So the song came up while we were having uh, uh, drinks and almost simultaneously, Max is like, oh, did you hear the new McCartney song? I was like, yeah. And then it was like that thing where he goes, I love it. And I went, I hate it. But we <laughs> said it at the exact same time. Yeah. And he was like, what? And I was like, what? And then we both were like, save it for the pot. Save it for the pot. So I texted you, Shane, and I'm like, listen to that new McCartney song. We might discuss it on the pod tomorrow. <laughs> did you listen to it? Yeah, I think it's completely average. It's funny. <laughs> You're like, I'm right in the middle. Because I was like, there's no way anyone would think this was a great song. If, if this song just came on the radio, you wouldn't be like, turn it up. <laughs> you would just be like, whatever. This is sure. background music for a bar or something. Uh-huh. So I'll tell you my experience with that song. So I, I saw he had two new songs coming out. I was like, kind of interested because I obviously love McCartney, love the Beatles. Now... I gave them each a quick listen. Didn't really think anything of it. I was like, eh, whatever. They just sound like uh, like an old guy singing, right? That's what he is. But then AJ Sanchez, our, uh, our friend AJ, who he loves it, who is a big music head, whose opinion I really uh, think highly of uh, when it comes to music. Uh, he texted me out of the blue saying, did you hear the new McCartney songs? They're fucking amazing. So I was like, oh, if AJ really likes them, maybe I should give him another spin. And then I, I listened to them like a few times. I was on my bike and I kind of have a pleasant memory of like riding down Queen Street in the summer on my bike. And I was like, oh yeah, these songs are good. Songs are good. And uh, McCartney is such a fucking musical genius that he does a cool thing in the bridge where it kind of changes keys. Like he basically does things musically that I would have never thought of in a million years. So even though on the surface, it sounds like a, a very like kind of ordinary song, there are subtle musical genius moves that he does that uh, as sort of a, a learner of song, learner, <laughs> a student. As a, an aspiring songsmith yourself. Exactly. That I, I thought I was think really cool. You, I don't so, think you're aspiring anymore. I think you've graduated. Man. No, thank you. Award-winning. Yeah. Well, you're thank- a fucking bona fide award-winning songsmith. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So then I was like, I, maybe I do love these songs. So it was more like one of those experiences where you kind of, you're leaning on somebody else to tell you what you should think. You know how that happens mm-hmm. sometimes? Sure. I do that, yeah. Yeah. So well, look because at Max's AJ, fucking shoes. I know. Well, this is it. Because AJ liked it so much, and then and then I started seeing the goodness in it, that made me think, oh, yeah, th- these are good songs. He still he still has it. Now, what was your experience with the song? So we get sent, like, uh, the labels will send us sort of, like, previews of songs. or yeah. like So I got sent, like, an email with the two singles. Yeah. And so, admittedly, I only listened to it once. And this is the thing about, I think, Legends, and nobody loves, like, I've paid a, through my ass to see McCartney twice live. I love McCartney. I love the Beatles. I have a fucking Beatle lyric tattooed on my chest. But Just say what it is. I think, <laughs> I think that, I don't know if it's because we grew up inherently with all these Beatles songs that they're great, so they're sort of ingrained in us. But whenever Legends make new music, like if a new Elton John song comes out, they're never bangers. Mm-hmm. Like it's rare when they're really good. I thought Cher was maybe the last one to do it. I believe do in love. You believe yeah. in, do you believe in love? I will say that. the McCartney Kanye Rihanna song was great. 
I really like, or at least I go. But there's two contemporary artists attached to that in the prime of their career. I know. Well, it was kind of not that it was creepy, but some I could feel people saying like, "Oh, is this guy just like scanning the bars, like looking for babes?" <laughs> yes, yes. And it seems weird for a guy in his what seventy five. Yeah, like, how old is seventies? Yeah. yeah. So that that felt odd to me, but I did ignore it and just pretend that this was any songwriter ever, and I just was like, "Oh." Put this in the average category. Well, you know, uh, I was actually talking about this with uh, Lauren's brother, Luke, about Paul McCartney as a songwriter. And what makes Paul exceptional is his sense of melody and his musicality. Lyrically, he's had some nice moments, but it was you wouldn't say that, like, he was the best writer. Like, he, he's Have not, you heard I Want to Hold Your Hand? <laughs> right. But he's no, he's no, like, Bob Dylan. So Ooh, I think, shots no, no, fired. No, I'm talking about lyrically. He's no, yeah, he's no Bob yeah. Dylan. And I think everybody Melody is the most important thing, though. You're right, and that's why he's more... <laughs> famous and successful than Bob Dylan. But um, there's, I think there's two different, like I think a good writer can age really well when it comes to lyric writing or literature. So there's guys like Philip Roth or like authors that have written their best stuff when they were 66 or something like that, right? Um, and so, and, and Luke just saw John Prine and John Prine is like a celebrated singer-songwriter known for his lyrics and he put out a new record and the lyrics are as good and as cutting as they ever have been. But if, but McCartney, that was never his strength. And so he's just sort of, I think he's, the lyric is probably no worse than anything that he did in the Beatles. He just is an old guy singing them. He doesn't have the boyish charm to it be, uh, in the presentation. Mm-hmm. So I think when we think about like our favorite pop stars uh, aging, if they're not cutting writers, then they're not going to age as well. Fascinating. Because like, you know, Dylan, one of Dylan's most covered songs ever is Make You, St- uh, Make you Feel My Love, which is from his 98 record, uh, mm. which was a kind of a 1998. Like his first big song came out yeah, in 1962. Yeah, he'd already been famous first, What's the yeah. melody of that? Uh, Adele years. covered it. It's like, uh, it's every wedding song, basically. Uh, uh, to make you feel my love. Hmm. That's like kind of the right, refrain. Right. I'm a fan of The Man in Me from the Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good That's one. a great song. That, that's from like the 70s or something. Yeah, he wrote sure. that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on that track specifically, his voice sounds, you know, because everyone does their Bob Dylan. Nah, yeah. nah. On The Man in Me, he actually kind of does it straight. Like, the guy can sing. Well, have you heard Lay Lady Lay like that one? Mm-hmm. It's a completely different guy on that. Well, one. I have a, I, do you know the story about Lay Lady Lay? So the story with that one, not to get into too much like rock and roll Alan Cross history here, is that there was like a brief moment in recording history where a couple pop acts or rock acts recorded the song and then sped up the tape. And so they don't actually sound like themselves. So Lay Lady Lay is an example of that. And Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen also doesn't really kind of sound like Bruce But his voice sounds deeper on that one. Or they, they fuck lay, with the lay, tape. Lay, 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 lay. Like, oh, it's weird. Okay. And Hungry Heart is the same thing. It does. It's like, why does Bruce Springsteen sound different? But it was like this period in 1977 or 78. Probably getting those dates wrong. Weird. Where they just did this weird, quirky thing and then never happened again. There's like two big songs. Huh. Yeah. Look it up. All right. Did you guys watch the Carpool Karaoke? I did. Oh, you know what? I, I started it and then I didn't finish it. That's how and this is the thing. Like, I love McCartney so much. I went home very drunk and I decided to watch the Carpool Karaoke. And I teared up. I was going to say, did you start crying? I did. Yeah. But it was like 2.30 in the morning. And I don't know. It was just so joyful and happy. Yeah. And the way that, like, Corden, you sort of see it through Corden's eyes, right? You sort of live the experience with him, with this legend. And then what the Beatles and Paul McCartney mean to people will always be, I mean, I talked about this after I saw him in concert. Like it's all that. And I think they captured it in the carpool mm-hmm. karaoke. Which when he think? went to the person's house, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. It's just working in television. Obviously I think about the behind the scenes and sure. the organization and what's fake spontaneous and what's real spontaneous. And I can't help but think about behind the curtain. 
So that ruins it a lot. And sometimes when they make people like do surprised faces, when I know that's not their natural reaction, it does take me out of it a little bit. That being said, it was, it was awesome. It was obviously the best one for many reasons. It's the best, biggest star. And they went on emotional angle instead of comedy, which they normally do. Yeah. Speaking of behind the scenes, this is kind of unrelated, but we played a show in Timmins on the weekend. With the Beach Boys. With the Beach Boys. So that's a whole other story. I mean, that's for another pod. But our final song was Whitney Houston Dance With Somebody. Yeah. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, there was a security guard in the pit, like totally keeping him to himself. But I could see him mouthing the lyrics along. Mm -hmm. And then, so I was like... I was like, I'm pulling this guy up on stage because it'd be fucking hilarious. And you can see it on our Instagram. And so I'm like, yo, get it. So I pull him on stage. I give him the mic. And then he starts, and he looked very subdued. Like when he was in the pit, he was just sort of mouthing the words along. He wasn't like into it. He wasn't even really looking at us. He grabs the mic and starts working the whole stage. He's getting the audience to wave their hands <laughs> and back and forth. he did not have a good voice. And he was okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but he just like, and I just like gave him the mic and just, he finished the set. And it was an awesome moment, but I, I was telling um, your uh, your brother this, and he was like, "It's like one of the, it looks so fake." It did. I was thinking about it. Well, like, well, this is it. It wasn't fake, but it looked like one of those things on the jumbotron when there's like a plant in the audience. Yeah, of course, it ends up being like an amazing dancer or something yep. like that. This was not pre-planned. It wasn't pre-planned at all, but it, but it was so good that it looked pre-planned. That was probably the greatest night of that guy's life, though. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Omar, man. After the set was Omar, like, "Hey, man, thank you." Yeah, like, I just gave him a big hug and. Uh, well, when he left his post, a bunch of people flooded to the stage. So. <laughs> yeah. He lost his job immediately after that. <laughs> yeah, we got our stuff stolen. Yeah, Omar got fired. <laughs> Everything in the green room was stolen after because security was uh, on stage fucking around. Uh, Omar was our last line of defense. <laughs> <laughs> Max, what are you doing? Guys, are you ready to get to Mike Shinoda? Hell yeah. yes. Uh, were you guys Lincoln Park fans? No. <laughs> I wasn't. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, I wasn't either. But Lauren's first email address was like Lincoln Park Chick 92 or no something. No way. Com, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, they were, I don't know, too intelligently dark for me growing up. And I was very uh, humorous in school. Yeah, they're just too dark for me. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, the subject matter was just. Yeah, I was too silly, not humorous. I was just like very lighthearted and yeah. silly. Yeah, people that were I, I I I had the same experience. People that were into Lincoln Park heavily, like in that early two thousands, whatever it was, there well, there was an intensity and like kind of a seriousness to their fan to their fans in particular that like were very devoted to it and really related to the music and the lyrics and it was a relationship I just wasn't a part of really. Yeah, but it was everywhere though. It was all over. Oh, like, the, oh, yeah. those songs are massive. Band ever. And I remember we they headlined the first Edge Fest that we did. And I just remember being so impressed because they had like their own backstage compound with like a like a workout room and like all their families were there. I was like, wow, these guys are like really making a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but you know what? When Chester passed, and it's obviously so tragic, listening back to those songs on the radio when they come on, you're like, oh man, like this was real. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I just think that like songwriters don't necessarily feel the pain or like it's more just storytelling or something it, yeah. Not or it's cooler it. to yeah it's yeah. like they know their angle of like these are they're going to be the prince of darkness or something like that and, yeah but then when you hear those lyrics back and know that he's gone it's just like fuck like the songs actually have hit me more in the last year of course yeah, yeah. you know obviously very interesting to talk to, to mike when we were excited because like we said uh he is a part of one of the biggest bands in the world and obviously everything that happened in the last year um as you know something worth talking about for sure and we get into all of that including how the media talks about stuff mm -hmm. like suicide the language they use the verbiage and he's sort of unwittingly now become a person that this is his new reality where mm -hmm. he, he has to speak to these things it's like life altering it is, really is. 
obviously for for Chester's family and friends, but then of course for for a guy like Mike or even Leakin Park going forward. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. It's not one of our longer interviews. Uh, he was a pretty busy busy boy, but I was happy to sit down with him because uh, it was a good conversation. Want to get to it? Let's get to it. How you been? Good. Good. Hi. Hi. How are we? Are we on a I'm just fun? going for it, man. Yeah, cool. We only got 15, so. Yeah, please jump in. You uh, been doing a lot of press? Uh, yeah, I've been doing some. It's, it's, I, I just got in. We like got, got a, we had a, uh, we missed a flight last night. So it was a oh, hectic, shit. hectic Sorry. night last night. Where um, were you coming from? New York. Oh, New York. Okay. Yeah. So you missed the flight. Yeah. I, I, I like did a whole thing about it on my Instagram. Oh. This, this <laughs> like morning. a story? It was, they have a brand new thing called Instagram TV. I read that. Yeah. So how is it? I did did an Instagram TV episode. I edited (laughs) it. I shot and edited it on my phone and edited an iMovie. Apple is not one of my sponsors. (laughs) So I'm just saying that because that's how I did it. So I've been doing, with this, with this, no, with this, um, with this album, I've been doing a lot of, it's very DIY. Like I do, I've done that before when I did my Fort Minor, um, side project like 10 years ago yeah but this one is like i did like you know 90 percent of the the writing and recording myself um the videos all the earliest videos on the project i i shot and edited myself Mm. and um you know stuff like that is just kind of part of how i've been wanting to do things it's just there's a spontaneity and a control of it that i i've been enjoying it's part of your nature man I mean, yeah, it'd be one thing if it was I was doing it and everybody around me was like, I, I remember when I first started doing some of the the video, um, like I did a video for Place to Start, which is the first re- song on the album, and Over Again, I kind of did both, and I oh, sent yeah. them to management, and I was like, I'm thinking like something like this, like maybe we, you know, have a have somebody shoot, you know, blah, 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 and everybody responded like, why would you reshoot this? Like, this is the video. <laughs> this is, is it. Isn't this the video? Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to be presumptuous. Like, it, I think it looks cool, but you really think it's okay to do this? They were like, why not? So, it, and that was actually in the back of my head anyway. I, I just, I was really um, happy to get the kind of the green light from people on it. Yeah. Well, speaking of this record, uh, a friend of our pod uh, is Christine Kayflay. Nice. Who you obviously collaborated with the on this. Best. So of all the people that, I mean, she's great, uh, yeah. that you could have collaborated with. Why her? What's the story there? I remember just hearing, the first time I heard our music when it first came out, I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I I don't know how I first got in touch with her, but she came down to the studio like two years ago, even more, I think. And we just hung out. Like, she's just a cool person. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, I love we meet a lot of musicians um and yeah you mean you know think about all the people you meet the people you know like you got certain things in common with some people and you don't with other people and for her with her i I just she's a really smart and thoughtful person and she's a very um confident i feel like you know as in terms of being a role model like she's just getting better and better each year. Like she's really confident and really a good, like a good person for people to follow. So I was like, if I can, if I can direct people towards her, like I might be doing good for the world because she's a good person. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I think she's cool. And, um, 
Yeah, the the, the collabos on the record. Like I, we did that song um, with her. I did the song "Make It Up As I Go," and we'd actually gotten together to we we'd started that song with the intention of making it a Lincoln Park song. Mm. Um, we started it back, you know, two years ago or something. And um, our guitarist Brad was was um, he he helped out on that song too. He co-wrote on that song. And it just the the only thing that was like really right was the chorus and the chords, and it wasn't. It, it I knew it was going to take too much to get it done in time for to be on one more light, so we just kind of put it on the back burner. And uh, this year, I I just really kind of relate went back and really related to that chorus, mm. and so I, I I wrote the rest around that. So let's pull it back out again. Yeah, I mean, that's how music works for Of me. course, yeah. I think for a lot of people, we talk to so many artists and they say that there's always sort of songs floating around all over the place that can be malleable or maybe aren't right at the right time and then they become right later. It's interesting you mentioned she's, she could be a good role model. You know, you've been in one of the sort of the biggest bands uh, of the last 20 years and with that comes power and responsibility. Did you always frame that as like, a, oh, we're speaking to people this is something that like I take seriously. Are you cognizant of that? Or are you more like, I'm a musician, I'm going to put my art out and... Oh, I mean, well, we obviously didn't start out that way. Like, I don't think anybody... No, that's not true. I think some people might... They get into music for different reasons, right? Some people want to get in it. Um, there's people who want, you know, music is, an, is a means to getting money or fame or girls or, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. And for me, I, I always did music as a hobby... Um, and my main focus was actually art. So I, I would paint and draw. And I eventually, I graduated from Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. And I got a bachelor's in, in illustration and went into doing illustration and graphic design work while my, I was doing the band on the weekends. Band was playing good shows in L.A., but it was still a hobby. Yeah. And um, I was paying the bills with, my, with the illustration and graphic design work. And then spending all my money on music. So... That's where I was coming from was like, I, if, if I had, you know, if I had 50 bucks to spend, I'd go down to the record store and like buy some new music or I'd save up and get a, um, you know, new keyboard or, you know, some cables for yeah. my, my production setup. Um, it just translates to, you know, to how I see it now, how I do it now. Like I, I love in this year, this last year has been really difficult and, um, I, 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 one of the first things I needed to do was to be creative and, and, and use like, even if it was just like doodling, you know, or like painting abstract colors and whatever, or if it was just sitting down with a guitar or a piano and just jamming a little bit, those things helped me like focus and, and, med and it was like meditative and helped me sort through my brain. Interesting. So then like it always starts sort of like at, at the art level, what you're doing for yourself, what you're putting out there. I guess I'm talking more like sort of macro, meaning like when you become famous or you have a voice, mm. what does that voice mean? Or, you know, when when you're speaking to legions of fans, is that something that weighs on you or is it more like, uh, hey, I'm just a, a musician like anybody else? I, just, I think it's more of a of just an awareness. Like somebody once said to me, um, imagine whenever you're on social media sure imagine yourself on a stage like look at your number of followers and imagine yourself on a stage with that many human beings in front of you listening how differently would you speak because most many people when they speak on social media they just kind of blabber whatever crap is on their mind 
I always remember that I have a, a I'm standing on a platform with a bunch of people who are human beings and they're all very different. They're from countries all over the world. They have all different backgrounds and belief systems and all, and, and they're just different. So, you know, I, I try to keep that in mind when I'm, when I'm speaking to them, like even to the extent that somebody will ask, you know, tell me something that's very like I'm from LA. So like, it might be very LA centric. It could be something as similar. Like think of it as ridiculous as like, man, this restaurant's really good. Like, I'm not going to put that on my Twitter. Like (laughs) 99.9% of my Twitter lives somewhere other than LA. It's inaccessible. They can't even, yeah. The the fans in Brazil don't give a crap about that. (laughs) Um, So, but with that said, this this is actually, this is one of the things like speaking of platform, one of the things I'm realizing now with the record, the kind of record that I've made and the conversations that the fans and I and and others, new fans, are having is that we are talking a lot about mental health. We're talking a lot about, you know, I guess role models and 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 people being able to express their feelings and and let go of some of that pressure that they're that they're feeling inside and i'm doing my best to help out because i'm doing i'm doing that work myself right um one thing that i realized this is a bit of a a segue but it's it is exactly what you were talking about a little bit earlier i realized recently that there are that there are probably more influencers today than there have ever been on the planet ever because the average person one you know one minute they've got like you know 15 followers and they're in their bedroom at their parents house and the next minute they have like a few thousand mm-hmm. maybe they've got maybe more right and and they're not they don't think of themselves as an influencer they just think like oh cool i've got a lot of followers now and i'm just living my life yeah and and that's that's like a status thing or whatever what comes with that is the responsibility one responsibility for example is some of those people who are following you are they might deal with depression they might deal with suicidal thoughts and if you are not careful about what you say you might put down a landmine for them that they when they hit it's it hits them hard so i say that because recently when we talk, we're talking about for example like um Kate Spade and uh, Anthony Bourdain, it, it came up again. You know, these these when people were were talking about what had happened, the language they were using sometimes got a little, got very dramatic. It got very graphic, um, and then they started bringing up Chester again. They started bringing mm-hmm. up Chris Cornell, and even even further back, you know, like like um, Kurt Cobain, of course, you yeah. Know? Um, you got to be so careful, man. I mean, I, 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 when they on in the um, uh, best practices, like there's a bunch of sites that will talk about best practices for journalists. Some of the best practices are say um, died by suicide, not committed suicide. S- make sure to um, be be uh, careful with your word choice in your titles. Don't certainly don't be. Um, over dramatic or graphic in your titles or or your piece because if i'm just browsing my twitter you're feed, talking about headlines headlines yeah 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 because if i'm browsing my twitter feed and that headline pops up and it's something really kind of gnarly that that person who has that that 
visualization in their mind, it can really trigger somebody. And nobody wants to be responsible for that. No one wants to do that to, do that to another human being. Well, I mean, and that's a fascinating thought too, because you would think that like sort of empathetic forward thinking people wouldn't, but for some people it's their job to write those headlines in order to have that. I mean, I don't think they necessarily want to trigger anything, but, and I mean, I guess it's just more a comment on practices anyway, and sort of clickbait and, and all of this shit. But it's like, it seems like there's people out there that work in those industries whose yeah. job depends on getting those clicks that are constructing those headlines for that reason. So, so that being the case, there are, will always be, you know, a, a <laughs> good and evil in the world. Um, to me, that's evil. And to listeners who believe that way or similarly, um, you have power like that your everyone's power is their attention your attention is currency in other words so if i click if i see something and i click on it i'm giving let's say it's a news article let's say let's say it's a, a, a actually yeah let's say it's a news article i'm actually i'm i'm increasing the clicks through i'm the algorithms are picking up my activity and that publication's getting ad revenue. They're literally making money because you clicked. Now, if you clicked because you were curious and you went, oh man, I hate that guy. I hate what he's saying. I'm going to click on that. You read it. You go, yep, still an idiot. I still hate him. It just reaffirms my, you know, that negative feeling. But guess what? You just paid everybody that you don't like. Yeah. And that's by participating because you participated. So if we can stop our, if we can like take a step back and just be like, oh man, it's another one of those articles about that thing that I hate, like then don't click. And that's the moment when you have actually like voted against that thing. That's your power. Excuse me. Yeah. That's your power. <laughs> um, <laughs> like swallowed my, my spit. <laughs> you yeah, want, you said it. Do you want some water or are you got right. <laughs> I'm okay. Okay. Um, we're getting to wrap it up. So oh. I, I guess I'll finish with, um, I'm kind of interested always on this podcast the process, the minutia of the work, and and, and in, a, in, a, in a larger sense, meaning like obviously you're an artist who's going to make music, but yeah. then also there's this whole construct which is like sort of the business of music. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by like you know you've you've made this record and you've talked a lot about you know why you made it and how you made it, and obviously a lot of subjects are going to come up in the press. Yeah. Do you find the press has been difficult? Just even the, the function of talking about it, or are you someone that's like you know what? Let's get out. Let's talk. I'm, I'm pretty open. Um, as long as the person I'm talking to is respectful. Um, I'm also forgiving if somebody is just, you know, uncomfortable and they're, they just hit, hit a certain topic where they don't kind of know how to say it. Sure. Um, that's, you were human. That's fine. Um, so I've gone out and done, you know, I've done a bunch of stuff, um, you know, interviews and performances and all that stuff now. And I'm feeling pretty good about it. Like I, I, the, the main thing is that I'm proud of the album that I made. Like Post Traumatic is an album that's basically like a diary. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an autobiography, um, ca- you know, um, capturing like the, the last year from when Chester passed away to now. And it starts in a really dark place. But the whole point is that it's post-traumatic. It's not about the, tra- the trauma. It's about how do, we, how do I deal with it? Like what did I do this year? Um, actually, not even what I, what did I do, but what did I experience where did my brain go? And the first half of the album is more looking backwards at the event. And then it slowly starts to f- like change direction to the future and hope. 
And by the end of the record, I feel like it's a very hopeful record. My friend actually joked that there's a couple songs that are like just straight up like battle rapping. <laughs> and the, my friend was like, Mike, when I heard you just straight up dissing other rappers, which I don't do by name. It's just a, it's just a stylistic thing. But he's like, when I heard you just basically, you know, spitting these rhymes, he's like, I knew you were going to be just fine. Cause that's where I come <laughs> from. That's like one of the most natural things. Getting back to. Me. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much like it is. I've told you, it's like finding a new, new normal. Um, Cause things can't be the same, but we can, I do have to find a new way to do what I've always loved to do. And I'm, I'm figuring that out. Thanks so much for your time, man. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I wish we had a little longer because you're yeah, obviously too. a very fascinating guy to talk to. Thank you. Appreciate that. Cheers. Welcome to The Dessert. We are here with our friend and pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, how are you today? Good. I'm here to promote digital <laughs> desserts. Ooh. Oh, so you're like a guest on the show that's like hawking their new movie or album or something. I always forget to promote the digital oh, dessert. Yeah. And we have a YouTube channel, but I'm guessing most people are listening to this through a podcast app or their iPhone, and they kind of forget that we even are on YouTube. Yeah. And the Jersey Shore one I did, which Very I funny. think a lot of people seem to be who are watching it like it. I thought it was your best one. Yeah. That's the first thing you said. So- that one has 358 views and one comment on YouTube. Okay, we'll get them up. Right They're now. very funny, by the way. It's, Thank you. They are great. You, it's funny. You kind of have to watch them to, yes. to get it. Because if you try to describe it to somebody, it's... Yeah, uh, it's I'm going to get to that, Max. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Because we had a, a big meeting. I'll dance around it because I don't want to jinx anything. Yeah. <laughs> but typically, when we have a meeting for the pod, not that we've had too many... Everyone obviously knows who Mike is because his namesake is part of the name of the pod. And Max is like the biggest superstar in Canada, as you're always saying. <laughs> as he's always saying. And then people look at me and they're kind of like, who really is this guy? Yeah. And is he necessary to even be on the pod? <laughs> A lot of people just think I'm like Mike's buddy who just happens to get into the meeting. And I can tell because when the people are talking, they're largely ignoring me. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, I guarantee these fucking people have no idea who I am. And I may be doing digital desserts, or at least I thought I would be, with maybe amping it up with a professional camera crew it might yeah. be an option. Yeah. But when we proposed this during the meeting where no one knew who I was, they were like, digital dessert? Uh, what the fuck is that kind of thing? Without swearing, that's what they were saying, and that's what their faces were saying. And Max is like, oh, man, it's so great. He's like, you guys know Dashboard? They're like, yeah. It's like, uh, he was in there with him. And uh, he's, he's wearing like a low V-neck. And Shane's like telling him like, oh, why are you wearing that uh, low V-neck? And then they get into explaining why. And he's denying it. And Max is doing his best to sell it. But it's just dead silent. <laughs> it's absolutely dead. And I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm like no, trust me. Uh, th they're better than that. You kind of have to watch them. It's really hard to describe. And then someone's like, wait, wait, wait. Do these artists know that you're kind of joking around with them? And I'm like, no, no. And he's like, okay, we're going to have to look into these. <laughs> like a guy said something like that. And I was like, like they're going to get shut down now. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there livid because like I've been fucking around with people for, honestly, I'm 35 now. I started when I was 15-ish. I've been doing this for over 20 years and I've never had a celebrity 
get mad at me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can I add to that too? Yeah. Uh, Just don't explain comedy again. Yeah, I was, I was with Matt Savelli, and because um, he had been to a, a country show, went to see Keith Urban, and I said, "Oh man, Shane did this hilarious digital dessert with this country band called the Recklaws, who are like very good-looking country mm -hmm. uh, act." And he did this thing where, even though they're brother and sister, he opened the interview as if they're dating. And, it, and I was like, I was like so excited to tell him all about it. And Matt just goes, "Really? He, he did that to them?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "No, no, but it was funny. It was so funny." And Matt, Matt's about just like, eh, "Okay." And Matt's got a good sense of humor too. See, but, I hate that. That makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> well, no, but this is it. What oh, we man. what we learned is that I just need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, if if these people are listening, I'm not good at a lot of stuff. But As we one, know, they turn it off after the interview. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> so you're fine. The one thing I am kind of have a talent for is being able to do stuff and yeah. never having people get mad at me. Yeah. To Shane's point, he's 100% right. Like, whenever, like, we all part after that, like, them, their people are always like, that was so fun. Yeah. Like, no one's ever been like, thanks, bud, or yeah. send me that. You know, it's like, they're always, they enjoy your company. I was so fuming during this meeting, just like, <laughs> oh my God. But I know I had a digital dessert the next day to shoot mm -hmm. with Classified. Mm. And I'm like, oh, this is actually going to be a really good one. And they were asking for us to send review links of the digital dessert. So I'm like, oh, I got the, I got the best one coming up. Because Classified's new album, the subject matter of it is about female empowerment, et cetera, et cetera. I just had a little girl. So I'm going to bring in my seven-week-old daughter and have Classified give her an empowering speech. But to make sure it doesn't fuck up or nothing goes wrong, typically I just shoot it with one little iPhone. I'm going to bring in five cameras. Mm -hmm. So I bring in my, six, my Canon 60D, which is a good one, uh, my wife's iPhone, which shoots good quality, my iPhone and another tripod, an HD GoPro, which is very good quality, and the Cobra Cam. So I set up all the cameras so I can get every angle so I don't miss anything. And I have this funny idea when I bring my daughter in, and I don't trust many people to, like, hold my daughter a manipulator. Uh, <laughs> so I have – and my wife's, like, distractingly hot, so I don't want classified, like, staring at my wife. <laughs> So I put my wife head to toe in an all black like ninja outfit. So, you know, when you see a puppeteer on stage and they have a puppet, they're usually wearing black. So they're not distracting. So I had her wearing a ski mask, black sunglasses, <laughs> black jeans, a black turtleneck. So you cannot see my wife's face yeah. at all. So we're, we're rolling and I have Mike on the cameras. Yeah. And I'm like, Mike, OK, this one camera shuts off after 12 minutes yeah. so if it goes longer than 12 you got to make sure that to hit record again this camera i think i have enough storage in because i've deleted a bunch yeah. of videos on my iphone and my wife's should be fine so i'm like as long as you follow that everything will be cool and when alex comes in you also have to film on your phone from the baby's perspective so i was yes. also filming something else the minute the baby came in yes so a lot of jobs uh, yeah for one man yada yada end up shooting the thing i go to get the footage three of the cameras cracked out like how? like malfunctioned as i'll tell you how they did as soon as the baby came in the door uh, so the one gag i was relying on have zero footage uh, the one iphone ran out of space at eight minutes the other iphone ran out of space at seven minutes the main camera that was on classified that kind of gets the wide shot the most important shot ran out after 12 minutes and my wife came in at 1201 editor's note ironically the cobra cam was the only camera that kept rolling and i am recording this vo on the cobra cam right now and i'm pissed but i can't be mad at mike because mike had a million jobs yeah 
And from my perspective, so I'm standing behind three cameras. The left iPhone goes down. My job is to get the baby when it comes in on my phone and then follow it onto the set. So I immediately, when I see that phone is out of storage, I go and start just filming it. But this is the crucial mistake. I abandon the middle camera, which is the most mm. important camera. So I miss that it cuts at 12 because now the baby's coming in and I'm going on to set to film a lot going on. But I, no, I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm, I'm seriously not mad at you. I understand. I should have remembered the middle camera, though. That one I should have remembered. You, you just had an interview. You come on. I give you like three orders. We didn't have a dress rehearsal. So I'm just kind of reflecting on my life. And I'm like, <laughs> this is shit. Like, I'm trying so hard to do something. No one appreciates it. No <laughs> one's watching it. I got 358 views on YouTube. <laughs> one comment. And by the way, the one comment was by Emily Emily. And she said, so funny, Shane, the best one yet. No. There yeah. you go. So, you know, I'm feeling kind of down. So I'm like, I got to go to extreme measures here. I'm like, what can I do? Okay, I'm going to buy a camera. Like the best consumer camera that all the vloggers are using. I consult with a bunch of people. Buy that camera. Buy it. Buy the tripod. Buy all the stuff. So this camera does not run out of uh, recording time. Like my Canon 60D, you have to constantly hit record after 12 minutes. It has a built-in trigger to stop recording if, it th if for some reason. Why would a camera stop recording after 12 minutes? I don't know, Canon. But anyway, so that that's one. Take care of that. Like what else are, are we missing here? I need an intern. I need someone to help me. Because sure. I can't rely on Mike. Mm -hmm. can't rely on you. Mm -hmm. You know, you hate these desserts. <laughs> like showing up for them. You you enjoy watching them oh, yeah. and telling people horribly what, how good they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, All with the best of intentions. Yeah. And yeah, how did you get your job, Mike? Oh, by through the VJ search. So, you, so they had a contest. Yeah. A nationwide contest. And Mike made, out of thousands and thousands of submissions, you made top, top eight. eight. Yeah. Then my other friend, Mark Myers. He, out of thousands of submissions, submitted, and he became a uh, much music intern. That's right. And then for me, I was inspired by all these uh, people winning contests. So I decided to enter an MTV contest for an internship, ended up winning it, got hired through that. So I'm like, geez. like You're also leaving out Menard. Oh, my friend Sean Menard, who directed The Carter Effect, he won a contest. The score. Yeah. He, Honor he, personality. He was top five in the contest, and that led... To him getting a job and max like you you didn't win a contest but you just did something very unconventional yeah. it, it paid off yeah i was thinking of having a shane's digital dessert intern contest that's so funny you know what i know exactly where you're going with this we you, you don't even have to run a contest we got we, we got, got someone, someone for you, you. who uh, we friend can't, of the we, is it Bill Hader? Friend of a friend. A friend of a friend. What? We've been lobbied. Yeah. What? What does that mean? A dear friend of ours said, you know what? I have someone who's young and really keen to work in media. She's in school at Ryerson. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. We can, you know, we, we've helped people uh, with padding the resume before. There's a certain character on the show who got his job uh, because he made up. Um, something involving Arkell's Music Inc. and put that on his resume. <laughs> we'll bleep that. We'll bleep that. Um, and so I'm all about lying on resumes. And so if we can actually throw her a bone, make her do some stuff, get some coffee, whatever interns do, she can put on a resume. It's incredibly relevant to her career. And also, we're empowering women. This is just an old white boys club right now. We need to have some some females in is here. Is she black? No. Eh, it's a start. It's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, that would be you, you can run your contest if you want. But okay. I how would, old? Twenty two. Okay, I, I had some criteria here. Let me okay, see. let's see. I'll tell you if she has it. Okay, I have by a the rule. way, I've already texted her. 
Okay. And no, you, I rev you really? Like two hours ago, yeah. I just no said, sketch bags. Not sketchy at all. Can't be late. I hate late people. I think, according to our one friend, she does show up late for dates. Really? I don't like that. But, but in a professional context, who knows? Okay. Yeah. Has to have basic common sense. You don't have to be smart, but you can't be dumb. Yeah, I think she's got that. She's okay. cool. Okay. A worry wart. I like that. She is a worry wart. Definitely. And she has to live within an hour and a half. She lives right, right down the street. And I, I had this for the pros, uh, uh, like advantages to kind of yeah. lure people in. They'll get to meet celebs. Yeah. I'll have a pic with them. Like at the end of each digital dessert, we'll take pictures with this celebrity. Oh, nice. They get to meet Mike and Max. Yeah. I'll feature them in a dessert where we kind of get to know them. I like it. And you're offering more than they're getting. They'll get a signed picture of you. Of me? Yes. Because <laughs> I think we do get a lot of Arkell's fans. Yeah. I so we have this person. We have the person. See, well, I mean, it's Shane's intern, though. Yeah, Shane, she here's gets the thing. A, he gets a say in it. Maybe maybe she can be uh, part of the contest. I, maybe that's all we can ask of you right now. She, she gets a guaranteed entry, entry into the contest. That's what the. Well, I can have a couple interns. <laughs> <laughs> it starts following you around. The There's five all. cameras going at all times on these. You know, that'd be great, Shane. If like for your normal day job that you just had, <laughs> it's like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> Who are all those people by Shane's desk? It's just like lackeys, it's just like waiting to get him lunch. And shit. <laughs> oh man, that'd be amazing. Okay, so I, I um, I had a VO guy make like an ad for me, but we can roll that and let's just see. Like, I don't want to rule people out. There you go. Let's put this out there. Put it out if there. you're interested, give us your best shit. Hold on. Maybe she texted me back. Let's, <laughs> let's, for, let's forget about her for a second. No, she's in the running for sure. So the way to apply is through uh, Mike on Much Instagram. Yeah. You can DM and just send me a brief video. Tell me about yourself and tell me any, anything you want to know. Your age isn't even important. Like if you're, you're actually not allowed to ask that. Exactly. That's what I mean. You can you can disclose your age if you want. Not really relevant. I can usually tell by looking at you. And then <laughs> just tell me why you want to do this, what your goals are, and a little bit about yourself. And then we'll go through those submissions and we'll throw – what's this person's name? I can't say. Okay. We'll throw uh, – why can't we say it? No, we should. So may the best man or woman win. Great. Shane's digital dessert intern. Meet celebrities, make connections, learn about the industry, and most importantly, get a signed picture of Max Kerman from the band Arkells. Be Shane's digital dessert intern. To apply, DM Mike on Much on Instagram, and Webby D will narrow down the selections. And remember, the pay is low, but the experience is worth a lot of money. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to Mike Shinoda for coming on. Check out his album, Post Traumatic. The Mike on Much podcast can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Mike on Much. Huge thank you to Jenna Gregory and Tara Paquette for putting together the artwork. Uh, huge thanks to Bill Hader for hanging out with me <laughs> in the elevator. And future podcast. Bill future Hader. podcast. Um, what else we got? That's that. Now subscribe to the show. Tell your friends. Please do. The Michael Much Podcast is produced by Max Kerman. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week. We don't die on the weekend.